Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, Kentucky improves to 2-0 on the season with a home win versus Missouri Saturday night at Kroger Field, an electric environment, first electric environment probably since, what, Tennessee 2019, but it felt more like the Florida game leading up to it, the way that the sky looked, the way the crowd was. Overall, a good night for Kentucky. They improved to 2-0, and they have a leg up in the division ahead of Missouri. It was, it was a pivotal game. Absolutely. I mean, it was a game we talked about all week that if there was going to be anything special this season, it was a game that they had to win. And uh, for stretches, they looked dominant. Um, and for stretches, they didn't look so good. But, you know, the final culmination of it all is a victory. And at the end of the day, that's what – they had to have you, you had to find a way to win that game because like we talked about last night um the baseline gets set at, at probably eight wins now I mean I can't imagine they don't get to eight wins and um it would take either a special performance from someone who we don't expect at this point or UK dropping some games somewhere along the line to not finish in that top half now top three really in the SEC East. so I mean yeah you're right crowd was was awesome I mean that was it was very close. It was about as close as you could get, really, to sell out. They probably came up a couple thousand people shy, but that was certainly enough of a uh, an atmosphere to affect the game. Yeah, and just a couple of big notes here. Mark Stoops improves to 51-50 and 50 overall at Kentucky. It's the first time, Derek, that he's ever been above 500, and I talked to you about this multiple times last night walking to the car. When he started 12-26, and 26, two games into that 2016 season, I mean, we all thought Mark Stoops was getting fired. Since then, he's 39-24. and 24. Corey Price put the statistic out last night. He's the, the last time a U.K. head coach had a winning record at least 50 games into their tenure was September 19th, 1981, when Frank Kersey was 45-44-2 and 44 and two at U.K. after a 19-10 to 10 loss at Alabama. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's been a – that patience really paid off. I mean, you got to give credit to Stoops, Mitch. I mean, the, the players that have come along in that stretch that, I mean, really, no kidding. But I, it's hard to state how important it was that Stoops got this thing figured out because uh, with, with how the SEC is training, if they didn't get a competitive program at a certain point, it almost feels like it maybe never would have happened. But uh, And if Mark Stoops wasn't going to do it, who was, Derek? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would have I, – I don't know. I mean, they got the program in such a better spot now that whoever comes along whenever Stoops is no longer at UK will, will be in such a better spot. So, I, I, for those reasons, I mean, I think there's certainly – I mean, I already think he's the best coach in school history. I know Bear, Bear Bryant's records and everything and what he did, but I just – whether it's right or wrong, I don't. I, I just kind of discount that era. It's just it's such a different time, such a different game. It has really no bearing at all on, on the college football that we know and love. So um, he's just done a phenomenal job. Um, Sean, let's go back to the game. I guess I wanted to get your main take takeaway when you walked out of there last night. What was kind of your main thought that you had about either that game or what it means for the season? Wandell Robinson changes things like that. That was my biggest takeaway is, and, and I know that I said that last night that on that play in the fourth quarter, big time throw by Levis, Mark Stoops talked about it last night. You can't overthrow that ball because Wandell had his man beat. So he underthrew it 
and allowed Wandell to go make a play, which is what your playmakers do. That is something, Derek, that has been missing in this offense for so long. And they've had Lynn Bowden. I know that. But I still think that when we're talking playmakers and making a play like that, Wandell is better than Lynn in that category. Lynn made plays with his legs. Lynn made things happen. Wandell does that too. But they've missed a guy that a quarterback could just lay the ball out there and trust someone to make it, Derek. And, and that's the thing that stands out to me is now they, they showed that they can still be dominant in the ground. And we wondered, you know, is, is that still going to be a part of this offense heavily? Well, we saw last night the balance. When they think they have a matchup and just can pound it down someone's neck and throw it, they, they did that. But they also have guys now that can separate themselves and make a play on third down and third and long and move the chains and keep the game alive. Kentucky loses that game in a, a couple of years ago because they couldn't make those plays. Yeah, they – I think that's a great summary. He was – Wondell and Levis were the two because I think last night a big thing you saw is – I mean, you can call it their old ways or whatever. I don't – I mean, they were never going to stop running the football. No. Uh, Stoops made that very clear even when they hired Cohen, they were going to, excuse me, remain a kind of a run first team, I feel like. But, you know, he had to get more balance. Last night they finished with 300, um, 341 rushing yards. And – but to me, the difference, Sean, is when you, you had the – a guy like Wondell who you can give a jet sweep to and he'll get you 64 yards. Mm -hmm. Um and then he has the two long catches, like, like the one you mentioned there. I was critical third and 12. I mean, that that's that's what they've been missing. I mean, you're right that they've been missing that the last few years. A guy on the perimeter who can beat someone one-on-one -on -one and a quarterback who can make a good throw down the field to get it to him. So um, that changes things. And, again, I know people uh, – I've not seen too much talk of it, honestly, but just after what we saw in week one, 367 yards, I think, four touchdowns for Levis – he goes 10 for 18 for 179, one touchdown, one pick. Like, this was fundamental. Missouri cannot stop the run. Just just run it down their throats. And UK did that. Um, I would not be concerned, like, because we've seen the flashes. Like, we know that they can push the ball down the field. We know they can make plays in the passing game um, when they need to. They just didn't really need it last night. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. Those – I would say Levis and Robinson, just how much they change UK is um, extraordinary. I mean, they, they – 11 targets for Wandell. I mean, that's where it needs to be. And he, you know, five catches on 11 targets, 101 yards. He had the 49-yard reception. He adds something in the reverse game. I mean, he finishes with 174 yards on eight touches. I mean, that is about as dynamic as it gets for a guy like that in an SEC game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible how, how good he is. And, I mean, I think we knew that when he came in, but Derek, he's, he started the season off on a hot note now. I mean, two back-to-back -back consecutive 100-yard receiving games. That's the first time a UK player's done that since Jeff Bidette in 2016. So that shows you how long it's been since Kentucky's had a guy that could do this. But you mentioned Levis's numbers there. Only 10 completions, but it was the chunk plays that stand out. I still got to 179 yards, had those explosive plays, we know that Levis is going to have games where he's going to complete 18 to 25 balls. Like, th those are going to come. But the fact that – now, they had some plays last night where he would tuck it and run or he'd get outside the pocket and maybe not – they had options to pass on some of them. So, that's why the passing numbers aren't as high when it comes to plays. that They probably called 
what would you say, Derek? They called well over 24 to 25 pass plays. They just yeah. didn't end uh, in passes. But he, I know he had some sacks as well. But that's what stands out to me <clears throat> is in 10 completions, you had this explosive plays. You had Wandell, uh, just looking at this, Wandell's longest uh, catch was 49 yards. You had Ali with a 19-yarder. Justin Rigg, a huge 28-yard uh, catch there late in the game. So you had you had some plays that were chunk yardage there. I, I thought Liam Cohen did an excellent job last night. The game plan, obviously, was Chris Rodriguez. That's, that's why we predicted Rodriguez to have more touches, more carries than Levis had pass attempts because we saw what Central Michigan did in week one to Mizzou. I just thought they dialed up the perfect perfect plan to, to beat Missouri. Uh, and I think, too, an, another stat, Derek, I think Corey put this up last night. For the first time in school history, UK football amassed at least 500 yards of total offense in each of their first two games of a season. So the whole Liam Cohen thing is working out. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> he's been uh, He's been impressive through two games, no doubt about it. Um, it's been a good hire to this point. I think the good news is you would think theoretically next week you can work on some things that you want to get cleaned up, but you would hope that it can basically be a week off for a lot of guys. I mean, you got to use them, you know, enough. You can't just not play guys and hope for the best. I mean, you got to roll with your ones and you got to put the game away and you got to take care of business. Um, but after that workload that Rodriguez just got, I would say, you, what would you say next week, Sean? I don't think you want him getting any more than like 15. Shoot, I would say like 10. Yeah, I would say 10 to like 15. Like, well, if you can do it and and around that, I think that'd be good. But that needs to be a game where you get some other guys some work. That's what I was about to say. I, th- I think next week you need to define who's behind him, in me, in my opinion. I mean, Kavasi obviously had some good moments last night, eight attempts, 39 yards, 4.9 per touch. But I think that you need to get somebody going there behind him a little bit. And, yeah, well, yeah. Well, and I know you want to talk about something else on the offensive side and we're going to get into the defense too on the end of this thing but I know you want to talk about a play that I missed the the blocked field goal attempt there at the end of the game so I thought the the game was in the bag I thought it was done uh this year we're not allowed on the field for the final five minutes so we're kind of all having to rush to the media room I was trying to beat the crowd because if you don't do it Derek they line up there when the team goes through and Mark Stoops might be sitting at the podium by the time we get in there so I, I got down there uh early Obviously, I heard the call from Leach on the audio in the concourse, but I I still haven't saw even got to see the play. So I know you had a take on it. Well, I had a take more about the decision. Um, I, I I know it was fourth and one. I did not see how close you know if it was you know almost closer. You know how sometimes it's fourth and one, but it's more like fourth and two. You know what I mean? Or sometimes it's labeled as fourth and one, but it's more like fourth and inches. I of the, of the opinion. Um, I don't want to say in situations, I'm not saying it is wrong to kick the field goal. I understand the logic. It's a short field goal. It's 37 yards. You, you would bank on any catcher, uh, sorry, any catcher, any kicker that you have been able to connect on a field goal that short. So I understand it, it's reasonable. You say, okay, there's less than two or right around two minutes. I can't remember exactly how much time was left. Um, let me look at that actually. On the field goal. Uh, trying to find the all right. I, I wanted to get it just because it has okay 207. 
That's when Missouri started its final drive with two minutes left. So Kentucky's facing a fourth and one on Missouri's 19-yard line, a 37-yard field goal. If you kick it, you hit it, game's over. I get that. And that's obviously Stoops' logic was if you get three points right here, it makes it 38-28. It's very unlikely Missouri has enough time with one timeout left to have two possess- to score on two possess- They had to score twice. I get that. Here's my thing, though, Sean. What did they talk about all offseason? Or what Stoops always talked about, actually? Toughness, a tough mentality. What do they hype up all offseason? And rightfully so. The offensive line, right? The big blue wall. That's what they want to run behind. Chris Rodriguez last night, Sean, going into that fourth fourth down play, he's averaging 7.7 yards per carry. Will Levis had shown some QB run game. He trucked the dude <laughs> in the first half, uh, ran right over a guy. Um to me, if you want to talk about that toughness, that mentality, there's no chance in hell I'm kicking a field goal right there. I'm lining it up. I'm giving the ball to Chris Rodriguez, and I'm saying if Missouri can stop you from getting this one yard, then tip your hat to him. And if you don't get it, Missouri still has to go 80 yards in two minutes with one timeout. And they, they did it a couple times last night. I'm not saying there's no shot Missouri wouldn't have scored. But to me, when you kick that field goal, the absolute worst-case scenario, and it damn near happened, uh, was the kid gets blocked and it gets run back. If that kid picks that ball clean for Missouri off the turf, he pro- he's probably gone and the game's tied or, or maybe even Missouri decides to go for two. Who knows what happens at that point? Uh, as it was, you know, you, UK basically lost about 25 yards of field position because instead of Missouri starting inside of UK's own 20, or, you know, Missouri starting UK's 20, they start about midfield, really, around the 45. I believe is where that final drive started. So – uh, frankly, yeah, I was disappointed that Stoops, to me, that is, uh, if you want to talk, and he talked about how he wished the team had more of a killer instinct. Like, I get it. That game probably should have been over in the first half if Chris Rodriguez doesn't fumble on the goal line. But to me, Stoops had a had a chance to make a statement right there Yeah, as a head coach to show belief in your offensive line, show that you trust that they can get that one yard. Like I said, I get it. Hit the field goal right there. The game's over. Is the same not going to be said that if you get one yard, the game's over? I mean, the game's over if you convert right there regardless. So, quite frankly, yeah, I was disappointed to see that um, from Stoops. It didn't cost them a win. I mean, they the defense got off the field, you know, big, big-time play by J.J. Weaver to convert the sack. I mean, hell, we've seen some guys run free before uh, for U.K. off the edge and not finish the play. <laughs> so, that was huge. They put them back in a fourth and long, and then, you know, they did enough to get the win. And, and again, I, that's – if you want to talk about, you know, being negative or whatever, that's probably my one takeaway from this game outside of Chris Rodriguez fumbling twice on the goal line is, and, yeah. to me, that is a more than an X is an O type thing. I think if you're going to talk the talk about that mentality, toughness, belief in your, in your offensive line, to me, you have to go for it right there and, yeah. and convert that. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I agree with that. I agree with that that mentality, especially the way that that offensive line was moving dudes around. I mean, seven, seven yards per seven. carry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's incredible. But the fumbles and he did fumble a second time there. Like Keeley got it in pictures. Like the ball was clearly out, and Eli Cox should should have been credited with a touchdown for sure. But just a couple of statistics here on offense, Derek, and then I know we're going to talk about this defense for a moment. But Kentucky penalties overall. Three for 35, I thought that was an improvement. I thought that was encouraging to see that discipline. Seven red zone attempts. They should have scored in all seven of them, but they scored in five. So they got to the red zone seven times. That is so encouraging when you're talking about this offense that they scored 35 points, Derek, but it feels like they should have probably scored close to 50. I mean, this should have been – it could have been a 50-point night on an SEC team, honestly. And I think that this offense is going to put up 600 at some point this year. I, I really do. Well, that's what's encouraging, right, is I think it's pretty much what everybody said after the game. Well, one, they managed to win. I mean, that's always critical. I'm stating the obvious. But you're right. They left points out there. I mean, they should have they should have had four touchdowns in the first half, you know, against an SEC opponent. You know, they should have been sitting at 28, uh, at least 28 points. I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't think they were going to be able to hold Missouri down the whole night. So, I mean, Missouri would have had time. Potentially, they go down and score anyway right before half. Who knows? I mean, that, that really changed the whole game. I mean, it's yeah. – you you think if you go up 28-7, that might have – and the way that they were doing it too, just by rushing the ball kind of right down their throats. And you had Levis on that drive, truck stick the guy. It was just all the momentum was on the U.K. side. And if you put that in right there, I think it's hard to – get back up if you're Missouri. I just don't see UK blowing a 21-point lead at home, not not in this day and age uh, with what they have. No. It didn't work out that way, and they had to make some plays. But you're right, 520 yards. They rushed for 341. They – what grade? Like, what grade would you give the offense? I've got to give it an A, Derek. I have to. I mean, yeah. yeah. I just, I, and then, yeah, I mean, 10 of 18 passing, but it was the plays that they hit in the passing game. On top of that 341 rushing yards, on top of, you know, red zone offense and getting there. I mean, it's not the offense's fault that Rodriguez coughs up a ball at the one-inch line, you know, like they did their job to get there. And he's just got to secure the ball in that spot, Derek, because that play will lose Kentucky a game at some point if that happens again. And we almost saw it last night. It changed that entire game. Kentucky's going up 28-7. to I told you before that they were going to be up 35-7 to at the half. And I think that they still would have done it because I think that all the momentum would have been there. That place would have been electric when Kentucky kicked that ball off there. And who knows, they might have got the ball back with two minutes and Levis takes a shot down the field. But the thing that stands out to me the most, and this is what is encouraging, Missouri comes down and they tie the game or they, they have that momentum swing there in the first half. They get the ball to start the second. Kentucky's offense comes out. They're the defense, they come up with a turnover. Offense punches it in. That's encouraging. Fourth quarter, Missouri ties it up. What does Will Levis and this offense do? They march it right down the field in a have-to-do-it moment, Derek. How many times have we seen that happen, though, where momentum has shifted, Kentucky's offense would stall out, couldn't get the thing going, and then they didn't have a chance to win the ballgame? That was what was so encouraging to me is they, they 
made huge plays. If Will Levis missed on a play, he came back with a clutch play, a clutch throw on the next play. That is what stands out to me. That is what has been missing with this offense. But what do you think about the defensive effort? Obviously, if we go an A there, we have to go a lot lower on the defensive side. I mean, it took almost it took four quarters for them to have a tackle for a loss, and then they got two back to back, and then JJ Weaver finally comes up with a sack there late in the game, and then a play that they they had the defense had to make a play to win the game. They did. They did come up with some big stops late in the game. Well. I think Brad White was was right. Like you would like to at least get one sack before the final drive or whatever. But the, the way that they were running that, it was going to be somewhat tougher to get tackles for loss. They were listed with twenty four rushes. Really, I mean, Base like had six, but he, you know, there was really no design quarterback run there. A, a lot of those were scrambles. Uh, Cooper had two, but both of those I, I think were reverses or jet sweeps or. You know, what getting him in motion, they, they weren't really – obviously, he's a wide receiver. They weren't turning and handing the ball. So, there weren't really a ton of just pure rushing attempts. I mean, they threw the ball 52 times. So, unless they were hitting guys behind the line on, on swing passes or whatever, sacking bays like it was going to be hard to rack up the tackles for loss. But it, it has to be better. I mean, clearly, it has to be better. I don't – no one's going to deny that. Um, I do think the more I've thought about it, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Missouri. I think Bazelak had a great game. I mean, he he's the type of quarterback in this type of offense that Missouri runs has always seemed to be pretty tough for UK. I mean, UK was kind of playing a lot of soft coverage, and Bazelak made one bad throw, really. He threw it, and, and Jacquez Jones made a phenomenal play to pick it off. But besides that, you know, he kind of took what they give him. No explosive – I mean, they had explosive plays at a 24-yard swing pass to uh, to Beatty, but no plays for more than 25 yards. And that's kind of been UK's calling card under Brad White. They, they typically do not give up a lot of, you know, explosive plays. You don't you don't really see UK getting beat over the top on pass plays for touchdowns these days. I mean, it could still happen, certainly, but it's very – I would say rare. I mean, Missouri hit big pass plays against Central Michigan. Their very first play from scrimmage, I think, went for like a 75-yard touchdown pass. So, I think they did a good job keeping things in front. Um, the turnover was big. They, they did just enough. I mean, I think you're going to see that Missouri offense really give teams trouble. I think Drinkwitz is a great play caller. Bayslack is good. And I'll say this, Sean, I think Beatty is – no kidding. I think he is as good as any skill position guy they'll see in the league. Yeah. I mean, he had 14 carries for 61 yards. He gets 10 catches for 88 yards. So, I mean, they use him a lot. So, I, I think I would give the defense like a – like a C plus, maybe. That's I what mean, I was gonna put it at. They did enough. I mean, like it's kind of kind of seven, 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 seven. <laughs> you know, Missouri scored one touchdown in all four quarters. I mean, 28 points to hold them to that this day and age is not horrible. It did enough. Um, would certainly like to see better play, no doubt about it. But I didn't think it was an awful performance, but certainly a lot to grow on. And I think that's the encouraging thing for both sides of the ball, is that they didn't play uh anywhere near their best game, and they still put up 520, still got out of there against a quality opponent with a victory. Kentucky beat an 8-4 and four football team last night. That's what I think. I, I think Missouri is going to go 8-4. and four. The baseline for me would be 7-5 and five for Missouri, but I think Missouri is an 8-4 and four football team, Derek. You're going to look up here in a couple of weeks. Missouri is going to beat uh, Southeast Missouri. They're going to beat Boston College, Tennessee, North Texas. Missouri's going to be 5-1 and one going into the A&M game at home 
with a chance to win it. This is this is a good football team. Like that that offense is going to do some things. I think uh, I think Missouri is going to go eight and four. I think Kentucky beat a really good football team last night, and I just think that what this does now. You you mentioned it. I can't see Kentucky going any worse than eight and four with that win last night, which would be just the the second time Kentucky's won eight games in regular season since what nineteen eighty something. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's they've set up a special season. Now, if you can go and get this next one against UT Chattanooga, you go get South Carolina, you find a way to win one of those middle third games. I mean, you're talking nine wins again, but I, Derek, I mean, it, it's not out of the question. I told you walking to the car last night that this, it's not out of the question now. If this team wins ten, like if they can steal one or two here, they got that huge home stretch there with Florida and LSU. Still want to see Florida in action against some better teams. I want to see LSU a little more. Kentucky's going to have its chance to play its way into 10 wins. I really fully believe that. Now, does it get does it get done? I don't know. They need to clean up some things for that to happen. But for where they are in week two and the way this offense looks in week two, imagine this offense in week seven, eight, nine, and 10. They're only going to get better. The defense is going to get some things figured out. This is a good football team. It's definitely a good team, and I think that's the main takeaway, what we said. Like, they had to have that last night to keep these dreams alive yep. of a special season. And um, I, I try to get the temperature of the fan base. I'm not sure. Like, my takeaway, though, I would – again, I, like, I would say – well, Brad White said it. I guess he's learned from Stoops, or I don't know. It's, Stoops was not the first coach to say this, but basically said, you know, you never apologize for a win. <laughs> and I think Stoops has pulled that out a few times. Um, and he's right, like – I'm with you. I think Missouri is like a good team. They're, they're probably better than I gave them credit for. Um, I say that, but like I also say, on, on the one hand, like I think you give a lot of credit to Missouri for showing how resilient it is. Still think if Rodriguez doesn't fumble, they run them out of there last night. And my score prediction of two touchdowns looks a lot better um, than what it ended up being. But I'm with you. I mean, I want to see some more teams first. Um, I, I think uh, – I'm just with you. I mean, I think eight wins is is for sure going to be – if they don't get to that, then something bad happened because yeah. you got three non-conference games left. They should win all three of those. That gives you five. Vanderbilt six, South Carolina seven. You can't lose to – You can't. All the other games. I mean, you got to beat one of Tennessee or Mississippi State, right? Like, you can't lose both those games. So, that at least gets you to eight. But, really, I mean, I think you got to be thinking at least nine. At this yeah, point, yeah. you know, those middle third games, like you said, we'll see what happens. Those are going to be the three toughest games on their schedule. I think they're better, though, than every other team on that schedule outside of those three. And like you said, with a chance against uh, Florida or LSU at home. I mean, if they're 4-0, Sean, that Florida game, I don't know what time it's going to be. Uh, probably probably at 7 p.m. ESPN slot. That's my guess. My guess. Um, that, that, that game, it'll be very similar to what we just saw with the crowd and uh, a chance to truly, I mean, make a statement. And and if you beat that, if you beat Florida, you're talking about going down to Georgia. No matter what happens against LSU, you're talking about going to Georgia with a chance to, I mean, kind of control your own destiny, right? I mean, if you find a way somehow <laughs> to beat Georgia, even if you drop LSU or Florida, if you still just have one loss and you're tied with Georgia with one loss, I mean, you're, you're going to have the advantage there. So that's, that's to me, that's, that's where you want to get to. And again, I mean, I think it'll be, extremely extremely difficult to beat georgia but the final thing i'll say is what stoops talked about on thursday if you want to have a chance to play in big games later in the season you have to take care of the games like they did last night and 
it was dominant for stretches. It was very poor for stretches, but the end result was a, was a win. And that's really, you know, at the end of the day, it's what matters. It does. And to me, you still got to take care of business the next two weeks. But, and this isn't a knock on this fan base at all. This, this fan base is a, it's a loyal football fan base, Derek. It always has been. People outside this state don't understand it. This state has always cared about football. Those fans, Pat Kroger Field, they, they tailgate like crazy outside. They, they love Kentucky football. I think there's a lot of people that love Kentucky football just as much as they love Kentucky basketball. I've always said that. But what this, what this did is it's kept the hop train moving. I said it to you in the press box last night. Had they lost, there, there were going to be some people jump off the bandwagon. And it probably, and I mean, and not rightfully so because Missouri is a good football team. But this keeps people on board. You find a way to get these next two, and that stretch in October, Kroger Field is going to be absolutely rocking. That's what it's locked into me, is it's locked in this fan base and this energy that keeps everybody churning toward football season and keeping and keeping the focus on football. That's what last night did. That's why it's so big for the program. And it finally gets Mark Stoops above 500. Now where does he go? He's gotten to 500 before but he, he fell back a few games. Now he's above it. I think it's an impressive feat. He's closing in on Bear Bryant's overall win record at Kentucky. I don't know if it gets done this year. I mean, it would take a pretty special season if he does. He'd have to go undefeated, I'm pretty sure, or something close to it. But what it's done, Derek, is I, I think that – I do think that he's the greatest football coach in U.K. football history. I wasn't alive during Bear Bryant's time. But just given the times of, and the recruiting and all the things that – the factors that go into this – Mark Stoops has solidified himself to me as the best coach in UK football history. Where does it go from here? I think a double-digit win season is in play if some things work out in their favor, but we will see exactly where it goes from here. But Kentucky has UT Chattanooga at home this week. We're going to gear up some coverage for that. Uh, Get your mailbag questions in. I'm going to put the tweet out today. Hopefully you had a good time if you were at the game at Kroger Field. Hopefully you enjoyed your, your team winning a football game. Derek will be right here this week to talk about what storylines come into play. But as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 